You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, joined by... John Brazier. And, John, um, we're on a roll with uh, some some great guests, don't we? I mean, we've, we've had uh, players, we've had coaches, we've had uh, just about everybody, and now we have the Flying Hawaiian. Uh, Which is, hold up, by the way, it is Jill Brazier's favorite player, not as a, well, she also loves him as a player, but it was her favorite person that was a player. Well, how about that, how about Shane? That? Are, are you impressed by that? That Jill Brazier is uh, you're you're her favorite player. I absolutely player. love that the bread maker in that family loves me more than <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm certainly awesome. not the bread maker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Jill is awesome, and I'm very honored. Honestly, uh, couldn't ask for a more humbling person than her. And uh, you know, obviously Brazier and Tom yourself, uh, a friend of the fanatic. Uh, I- I'm honored, guys, to be on, and uh, you know, look forward to a. Fun little episode. Well, it's uh, it's great to hear your voice, man. We haven't seen you in a while. You've been, uh, I guess, you're out in Vegas. You're chilling, and the pandemic is that uh, you, you're trying to get through it. I guess. Well, I guess I feel like you know the rest of the world. Uh, I've done some traveling, uh, you know, through the pandemic. Uh, obviously, one based around my charity uh, work and my foundation efforts. Uh, we had my annual golf event there in Maui in November. Oh, good, okay. you had uh, it. Yeah, we weren't sure. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, no, we went. We went ahead and did it. Uh, you know, obviously, it was a lot of, uh, you know, their concern. Uh, we followed every type of protocol. Uh, obviously, it's easy to talk now that it's been a few months, and it was a very successful event. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, one of my more successful events in, in, in recent years. So, it's amazing that, you know, during these kind of times, yes, we fight through a pandemic and all the negatives, but the positive aspect about the giving, you know, culture and the people that we are as, as Americans was unbelievable. And, you know, you saw it across the board, uh, you know, the giving that was going on and, you know, during the pandemic. And, you know, I feel like we're, we're getting to the point where there's some light at the end of the tunnel, uh, you know, with all the vaccinations and all the things that is happening. So I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, bright side to 2021, guys. Well, if you need a world famous podcast to uh, to come down and cover your tournament, uh, we are we are more than happy to come down to Hawaii and, and make how that many, happen. How many years have we been trying to get out there, Shane? I remember there was a stretch where I was trying to get my friend, the fanatic, out there to just even yeah for your uh, golf tournament, yeah. but also the yeah. uh, the Hawaiian baseball league. It was like I think the yeah. fanatic's got to make a little uh, do some island hopping and do some games out there, but uh, someday. Someday, someday, you know. Unfortunately, the Hawaii Baseball Bitter League didn't really last long, unfortunately. No. But, uh, but somehow we'll figure out to get the fanatic and the friend and everybody else out to Hawaii one of these times. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Mr. Brazier can make it a reality one of these times. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, and we want to talk about uh, your career a little bit, Shane. You know, um, and you know, it, it all does start in Hawaii, right? And it, you know, what, what was it like growing up in Hawaii? I mean, I, I just can't even imagine growing up in paradise. You know, man, that question is asked yeah. almost, you know, on a daily basis. And I, I, I really say to myself, you know, how do you answer that question? And I basically explain it this way. I knew nothing different, you know, just like you growing up and, you know, someone growing up in the city of Philadelphia. 
You know, you know nothing different. You understand where you come from. You understand that that's your root. And for me growing up, that's, that's all I knew. It was my root. It was who I was. It was who I am. You know, it was the culture that, that, that made me who I am as, as a person, uh, you know, with my family upbringing and the work ethic and, you know, that, that never give up attitude. I mean, I, I, I get it now. You know, obviously, when I go back and I understand the beauty of that place and how lucky I was to grow up there. But, you know, when I was growing up, I just was like any other kid growing up in America and trying to, you know, and not just America, in the world, you know, trying to figure out and navigate your life and, you know, tell yourself, what will I be someday to, you know, to, for the world to know me? Uh, and, and, you know, obviously, growing up there, I played sports and that became my avenue. Yeah, you played sports, and Shane, like you were like the fastest dude in Hawaii when you were in high school, right? I mean, you you had the state really, you were the state champion in the you know the one hundred, the two hundred, four hundred meters. Uh, you know, you, you you played, you know, you were you playing four different sports: baseball, basketball, soccer, football. But uh, did you have people scouting you like just for your speed? Uh, how how did that come about? Yeah, definitely was a tangible, um, you know, with the speed factor. Um, you know, I, I go back now sometimes and I get to see my coaches that, you know, the ones that are still alive that coached me, you know, growing up. And, and I would ask them, I said, you know, at 8, 9, 10 years old, did you see something different? You know, because I want to know. I have a 10-year-old myself and I, yeah. I kind of want to understand and I'm working with these young kids at 10 years old and, you know, I'm looking at them and, you know, fast forward you know, to the question and answer what, what you asked was, you know, they did say that there was that tangible and the tangible was speed is that, you know, at a young age, the way I moved and how fast I was and, you know, the way I went about things during a game is just, it definitely stood out, but I didn't get recruited. I had a partial scholarship to the university of Hawaii to play baseball my senior year of high school. So Tom, no, I was not some kid that was sought after, you know, uh, obviously my senior year, the accolades kind of compounded, uh, you know, where speed. And I think, there was another gentleman. Actually, the reason why people came to look at me, there was another guy on the on the on the and who was a former Phillies pitcher who came to pitch in Philadelphia, oh, Jerome Sid. Williams. Oh, you're right, Jerome yeah. Williams. Yeah. So when right. I was in high school together, yeah, we were the same year, '99. He was on the island of Oahu. I was on the island of Maui, uh, and a lot of scouts were coming to watch him because he was a, you know, he went on to be a potential sandwich pick, uh, you know, uh, one of the highest picks ever out of Hawaii, uh, you know, back in '99 and. You know, everybody was going to see him. And so enough that, you know, I was doing my thing on a neighbor island and I was getting an opportunity and scouts went to, you know, flow in to see him and said, hey, why not I puddle jump to another island and go watch this kid that's on Maui and, you know, watch what he does. And, you know, that's how it worked out. It wasn't, you know, as I said, I wasn't sought after. Nobody was really looking at me. And as I said, I had a partial scholarship to University of Hawaii. So. No, nobody was really looking at this kid out in the middle of the ocean on a little island like Maui. <laughs> but were you looking at guys like Sid Fernandez, Ron Darling? I know Charlie Huff uh, was from Hawaii. Did, did you look at yeah, some of Benny those guys? Yeah, Benny Agbayani, Mike Fetters. Yeah, I definitely looked up to those Mike guys. Lum, in fact, yeah. those guys were right you know, right in front of me. I mean, Mike Lum, uh, you know, they were a little older. But as I said, guys, I played sports. Baseball wasn't my life. I didn't watch baseball growing up. You know, I, I played it. Uh, I did it because my parents, you know, and, and – as we all know, I suffered from ADHD as a young kid. And, you know, playing sports was an avenue that, uh, you know, my therapist and my parents agreed upon that would help me, you know, basically stay focused, blow energy. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you guys, though. But even during those times on the sports field, there was a lot of negative times where I was, you know, I acted out or I was, you know, I didn't want to practice hard because I just was, you know, I was that kid. And, and, and so, you know, these are all the things that, you know, I look back on my childhood and I reflect on and I go, man, 
how did I make it out of that little place? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's incredible. You know? And then your uh, path, your path to Philly. I mean, it's it's been told, you know, the whole idea of getting drafted by the Dodgers uh, and then going to the Padres, uh, Rule Five, um, back to the Dodgers, and then to the Phillies. And then um, I guess you were going to be going back to the Dodgers, but uh, that didn't work out. And so you basically became a free agent. Yeah, yeah. Right? And someone told me that you. You met with uh, – after the Phillies let you go, after selecting you, um, and you could have been a free agent anywhere, it was Ruben who sat down yeah. and talked to you to convince you that, that you might have a good spot, you know, at the Phillies down the road. Well, what he did say to me is when he was making – you know, when that day came when I wasn't going to make the team out of spring training, you know, he did mention to me um, that, you know, we brought you here for a reason. Um, you know, you, 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 you had a chance. Um, you know, unfortunately it just didn't work out. And the biggest, actually, the biggest turning point was a conversation I had with my agent, uh, who was Danny Horowitz at that time with Beverly Hills Sports Council. And, uh, I sat with him and I called him and, you know, he had gotten the news that I was, you know, not going to be, I was getting DFA'd and, uh, I wasn't going to make the team out of spring training. And the conversation was pretty much the same with Ruben. He said, Shane, this team brought you in. They gave you a chance. We've been through the process. You, you know, you've made it once. But again, remember the process. They brought you in to be a guaranteed part of their roster, you know, through a month and a half and basically a full season. Unfortunately, it didn't work out in a month and a half. But again, you were part of that puzzle. You were part of the picture. And that's what I said to myself. I said, with that being said, I said, Danny, well, why don't we call Ruben back? Why don't we go to spring? Uh, we'll go to Scranton and Wilkesbury. We'll go, we'll take the, you know, the, the contract and we'll go to AAA and we'll go from there. Yeah. And man, did you have a great year there. You were. Most valuable player. You hit 310. You had 18 home runs, 70 RBI. So, uh, I mean, you did everything you could to then get that call up, which you did in September. Yep. Uh, and I think you hit your first home run off Tim Hudson, right, in that September call Yep, up. in Atlanta. Yep. So, so you know, hey, guys, I, I always tell this, and I think about as we reflect on and you talk about my journey. You know, ultimately, as I said, you know, a second ago about my upbringing, you know, my parents always instilled in me never to give up. And, you know, the journey you just talked about, Tom, and all the ups and the downs, like, you know, just think about that. Like, I always remember never to give up. And like I was trying to get at it, in, you know, during this pandemic, I know it's not the almost optimal time for all of us, but it's like never give up, man. Life's precious. Like, you know, it's, it's that journey that you're going to go on. And at the end of the day, when I won my World Series the first time in 08, and I got to win that second one in 13 in Boston, it, so I reflect on those moments and go, Dude, how, how, you know, how, you know, and how is because I never gave up, you know, I never, you know, let someone talk me into like, you're not good enough. And I think that's the part in life, guys. I think a lot of us need more of that, that reassurance that like, you know, man, never give up, man. Like work through every part of life that you can. I mean, the road's always not great. You know, people pick the picture like it's great. You know, you're this two time world series champion. I'm like, guys, that's the simple picture. Yeah. It's the journey that I went on, the ups and the downs and the negatives and someone looking at me in my face and going, you're too small. You're not good enough. You can't do it. You know, to my mom basically questioning me going, son, what are you doing? Like, this is not a reality. Like, you becoming a professional athlete, no one's ever done it from this island. Like, it's not reality. Stop and get that out of your mind. Go get an education. Go do good in school. But look at what happened, guys. You know, yeah, and again, that's, that's awesome. the mentality of never giving up, man. And you know what? We had a player, Rex Hudler, before your time, 
And Rex had a kid with Down syndrome, and I loved his attitude because he he turned the Down syndrome. He said, "This is you know those kids are so positive and uplifting. I'm turning into up. Uh, it should be called up syndrome." And he 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 had a famous line that was in Reader's Digest that said, "Be a fountain, not a drain. <laughs> Give off life, don't bring it down." And that was that statement stayed with me. And it's kind yeah, of similar to what, what you're much. saying. You're saying that right there is that never give up. Don't don't take the criticism. Just go your own way. Well, and I and I and with the the team too, uh, Shane. I just read something. Jamie Moyer uh, was interviewed in the paper recently, and he mentioned after that loss uh, in 2007 against the Rockies, he said he's never seen a, a clubhouse so angry, and then you know flipping around so determined. Uh, you know, obviously you had a, a clubhouse full of gamers, so you know it was a great you know to to win the National League East. The Mets collapsed. You know. The Phillies were on a roll. Uh, you ran into a buzzsaw against Colorado. But, um, you know, did you get the same sense, too, in that in that uh, clubhouse after that loss to Colorado? I, I, I definitely sensed the, the – I guess for me it was the energy was such a positive. You know, everything was flowing in such the right direction. Yeah. To have it all come to a halt so suddenly when we, like you said, we were on that roll ourselves. To have it come to a halt so suddenly, I definitely felt exactly what Jamie said. And I remember sitting there in the locker room and just, like you said, angry, just more frustrated and almost confused. Like, what just happened? Like, did that really just happen? And I think that helped us along our journey over the years as we moved forward and, you know, the next year winning and and being and coming from behind again and, and, and having that all fall into place. It's definitely played a part of our journey. All right, let's let's go into that 2008 season because one of the most memorable at bats uh, that we all remember. Oh, Shane's we, never been asked this right, question. I know, before. but we're gonna have to relive it. <laughs> you have to, you uh, have to. I mean, man. we got CC Sabathia on the mound uh, against Milwaukee, Game Two, the NLDS. Uh, Brett Myers just did an unbelievable at yeah, bat. Yeah, walk. And then Shane, I think this was not just one. This is one of many clutch hits, mm. really clutch hits that you've had, not just for the Phillies, but throughout your career. Tell us what went through when you're coming up to plate, bases loaded, CeCe Sabathia, key moment, uh, which obviously uh, helped us get to the World Series. Victorino with nine of his 14 home runs, batting from the right side during the regular season. Sabathia with a 1-2 pitch, swing and a drive, down the left field line. Braun going Come back, on, he ball. looks up, and it is gone! Yes! Grand slam, Victorino! Oh, my! Phillies lead here in the second. Five to one. A one-two pitch. Oh, is that huge? It's just another at bat. Nice. It's just a little boy that grew up, you know, in the middle of the water. That's just living a dream. Nice. Could I you? I mean, it was as simple as that, guys. Like, you know, I think that's the part as people reflect on those kind of moments. I've always said exactly that. Like, it, 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 it's no different. Like, it is. And I get it. And people will, will, will not understand me. But what is the difference, you know, sitting in front of my front yard as an eight-year-old boy against my 14-year-old brother or 13-year-old brother, and he's throwing a tennis ball as hard as he can at me from, you know, 20 feet away, and I got a flipper on my hand. And I'm, you know, trying to hit this thing back at him and just make contact with the tennis ball in my hand and with a flipper on it. Like, <laughs> what's the difference? 
Well, it's you, the same thing. You, you know, got 45,000 like, people yeah. going nuts on that, it. And Shane, <laughs> and Shane, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, did, did uh, everybody talks about that's like one of the loudest Citizens Bank Park has ever been ever. after your Grand Slam. I mean, you probably weren't paying attention. You were just, you know, running around the bases. <laughs> but, you know, could you I sense mean, how loud it was? Like I said, I mean, you almost black out. I, I, and I hate to say that word, but it's like it becomes a blur. It's, it's you know, the – the, there, there's so much running through your body, the adrenaline, the energy. Like you said, everybody, 45,000 are on their feet. You got CC Sebastia, the most immortal pitcher in the second half of the season. Like, this kid is untouchable. He's the god on the mound. Like, and I said to myself, it's just another at bat. Like, you're going to battle against your little, your big brother. Like, you know, you're, 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 you're here to compete, Shane. Give 100%. Never give up. And whatever happens, May the card lay itself out, you know, and fortunate enough for me, guys. And maybe that's why it panned out. And, you know, a lot of my things have happened in the positive is that I never, I never let the moment get to me. You know, I always try to remember, like, that little boy that made it off of an island standing here in the city of Philadelphia, in home plate, in Citizens Bank Park, in front of 45,000 people. Like, no one's here. It's just you and the guy on the mound. He's good. Your parents always told you to compete. Your brother always told you to compete. Well, let's compete. And, you know, and, and it turned out in the positive. Yeah. And I guess that's the part for me, as he said it, John, in all these, you know, big moments in the playoff career that I've been able to have. Well, Not yeah. only many different, man. You know, it's, yeah. I'm a little boy. Yeah. Going up an island, and, and, you know, making it out of there. You know, I don't know. Yeah, Shane, that, I mean, that has to be the right uh, mindset because, like you said, you know, you're considered a red light player. You know, you've had so many clutch moments. Uh, the next series, you hit the home run to tie the game in Los Angeles against Broxton uh, before Stairs won it, you know. You're in the pitch. Off speed, swung on, yanked down the right field line. Ethier on the run. He turns, he looks, and it is gone. It clears into the Phillies' bullpen. The game is tied on a two-run home run by Shane Victorino. Victorino clapping his hands as he crosses third base. He has tied the game here in the eighth inning. Oh, my. He just cleared the wall in right field to the right of the 360 side. Oh, my. Yeah, and I was at that game, and I got to tell you, that was that, and then Matt Stairs follows it up with a you know, game winner. And I, the people, people in the stands, at least the Philly fans in our area, were going nuts. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. Hey, hey, Shane, did you ever see that picture? It's in, uh, it's in Citizen Bank Park, and I don't know, you might have it, but it's after Stairs hits the home run. There's a picture of uh, behind the Phillies dug, or, uh, of the Phillies dugout. So you see all you guys, you know, reacting to yep. it. And then behind you, there's David Montgomery with his scorecard, <laughs> you know, looking up at the ball, you know, right. leaving the stadium. It's like one of the best pictures, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. That was a great moment. You know, another great moment. It never, uh, you know, none of those moments will ever get old, fellas. I mean, you know, I can replay them and close my eyes every night and sometimes tear up and just go, man, was that real? Like, that's me? You know, that, that, that that's my teammates? Like, I was on that field. I was a part of that team. Like, you know, I just posted today on social media with the start of spring training in my Instagram. He's like, you know, I took my, my, my me jumping on the pile in, in Philly and, uh, you know, all of us in the locker room in, in Boston after winning the World Series. And I told, you know, and the comment said, these photos will never get old. Like, mm. these images will never get old. Like, I don't care till the day I die. Like, you know, I was able to accomplish two things that, you know, many boys in, in, in our world and in our lifetime have dreamed of doing, and I was able to do it. And, you know, guys, I think that's the humbling sometimes moment for me is that, you know, that pinched me like, 
you were a part of these things, like, mm-hmm. and not just a part of it, guys, like an integral part, you know, coming up and, 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 and being a part of the journey. And that's why I said, you know, I said in the thing too, was that I, I, I missed this part of when spring training starts, like walking in the locker room for the first day and looking at all my dudes and going, boys, we're going on a 162 journey just during the season. And we got another two months. We got about a month and a half of spring training games. We got 162. And that's just the fun. The real fun begins when the real boys come out to play and the real men come out to play in the postseason. You know, and how do we get to 11 before everybody else? And that's what I said in my post is like, I miss that part of that, you know, looking at that, that room and going, man, what 25 of us, what 40 of us, what 50 of us, because guys are going to get hurt are going to go on a journey for the next seven, eight months and hold the trophy up together, man. Like, man, I missed that part of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and we're wow. in it now with spring training underway. Yep. But, uh, yep. Shane, you mentioned uh, the flying leap into the, the pile in, uh, after the win in 2008. You know, they tell it's a story that's been told a lot. Uh, Mike Schmidt and Tug McGraw talked in 1980 before game six. You know, uh, Schmidt told Tugger, hey, if you're on the mound, I'm, I'm going to come jumping into your arms. And uh, so it was a pre-planned thing. Was your flying leap pre-planned? Uh, you know what, man, John, I, it was definitely not predetermined. I, 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 I never counted my eggs before the hat, you know, so I was definitely nervous even until that, you know, that second strike and, you know, with, with one strike left, I was still nervous in, in, in center field that something could happen. But I just remember starting my journey in when that happened and, and, and trying to figure out how I'm going to get to the pile. And by the time I felt like I got to the pile, there was only one place for me to go. There was no hugs to be given. It was just a pile. And I said, you know what? I'm going to jump on every one of you and we're going to enjoy this moment. And, you know, it's, it's definitely a moment and an image that, you know, I think will forever be embedded in my mind. I think in Philly, Philadelphia history and Philly's history, you know, in baseball history, because that was a special team, man. I think a lot of people fell in love and, you know, now being retired, people always talk about those teams, man. And like, man, I remember your guys days in Philadelphia, like, dude, you guys were a bunch of gamers. Like I love just watching you guys play. It wasn't because you guys were winning. It's just, the way you guys played the game, the tenaciousness, the, the, the never give up attitude, just the hustle and just the, you know, the everyday grind. And, and, and to me, that's why I always, you know, think about that image and, you know, jumping on that pile and thinking like, man, that, that city and how much joy we brought to that city that year, uh, you know. Well, I and think the, we'll last with us forever, as you guys know. Yeah. And the joy on October 31st when we had the parade. <laughs> uh, I don't think I, I don't think I was on your float. I think you're on a different float. But I mean, how crazy was that? I mean, I, I mean, did you think it was going to be that long? Did you think there was going to be that many people? Did you think that people would be going that crazy? I mean, I, I, I always like to say that it was like we liberated France. <laughs> you know, we basically people are hoisting up bottles of wine and vodka and beers and you know and saying basically you're crying, grandmother's crying, and it was awesome. It became real to me when one grandmother said to me and you know and there was points where our floats became you know we had to come to a stop because there was nowhere and because there were so many humans blocking the street that you know i remember one elderly lady basically looking at me and 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 just saying i love you shane i love you shane and she's got her hands in this you know praying position and she goes now i can die and i was like what did you just say? <laughs> I'll stay alive for a little longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I was like, oh, what do you, what do you mean, man? But what I was trying to get at is, and what she was trying to say, and I understood it as I looked at it, is the joy, the happiness, you know, the the long for a championship, and to be able to to be alive and witness the championship as a Philadelphia Phillies, and you know, to relive that childhood memory probably for her that she remembered, you know, when that '80 team won and. 
you know, like that's the kind of moment I look back on and I said, man, this is real. Yeah. Like people live, die, breed, like this kind of aspect of what I was doing as a career, as a, as a passion, as a, as a game. Like, you know, it wasn't baseball. It was like, I was playing baseball, but it's a game. Like, so that's when it put it into perspective to me and said to myself, like, wow, winning a championship is no joke. It's not just, you know, you don't just win a championship. It's bigger than that because of, as I said, that elderly lady in that moment telling me that, and I'm just like, what did you just say? But it's real, you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's, and that's why I preach to athletes, you know, and, and guys that go to play in a city like Philadelphia win, win, bro. go out there every night, try to win. Like who cares if you're hitting 340 or you're hitting 190, like find a way to win through a game, like whether it be running the bases correctly, like making that diving play in the fourth inning that, that, that really is irrelevant. But when you look back in the big scheme of things like, man, that catch really quantified why we won three zero, you know, or, why, you know, and I think that's the part for me is, is in a city like that, if you win, man, woo, the yeah. journey is a fun one, guys, as you know firsthand. <laughs> yeah, and then 2009 was a great year for you, too. You won the uh, – you were in the All-Star Game final vote where it comes down to three people and fans vote on it. Uh, you had a record-breaking 15.6 million votes for you. And here's something cool that, uh, Shane, you, you probably know this, you became the first Hawaiian-born positional player to be named an All-Star yep. team. Uh, and then obviously we went on, we go on to the World Series, play the Yankees. But but one moment back in August, um, I do remember when I think we were playing the Cubs at Wrigley, and there was a controversy because I think one of the fans dumped a beer on you, right? <laughs> remember that? Yep. Yeah. T- tell tell the listeners funny. what happened there. Oh man, I remember it was uh, we were playing. Uh, I think Pedro was on the mound. Uh, we were in Chicago. It was bases loaded. Uh, I forget who was up to bat, but they basically hit a deep fly ball to left center. And I was, you know, I could feel the air come out of because the whole place, you know, and Wrigley thought the ball was gone. But, you know, as I broke back on the ball, I knew that I had, I was going to make the catch and I was going to catch it in front, you know, the Ivy and, and it wasn't going to be a homer and they were probably going to get one run. But I just remember as I started going and getting my position, I just remember all of a sudden I felt like a shadow come up over me. And I was kind of like, and I remember kind of like almost getting a little timid and tentative but I was like I gotta catch this ball so there was all these things that run through my mind I just remember like I was in position to catch it but then I said the shadow was coming and all of a sudden I catch the ball and all of a sudden there's beers all over me I wanted to go and I actually went eight shit I was so upset and reason why guys not many people know this I don't like beer I don't like the smell of beer I don't like any part of beer so when it hit me I was like are you kidding me I'm gonna smell like beer for the rest of the game I was so angry. Like, I, I, you know, that was all the things that was going through my head. And I really wanted to fire the ball in the stands. But I, you know, obviously conducted myself in a professional manner. The saddest part is the guy, the poor guy that they took out of the stadium that night wasn't even the dude that was the wrong the guy. No, way. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. They took the wrong dude out. Really? Yes. I did not yes. know that. Yes, they took the wrong dude out. Uh, uh, they took the wrong dude out. Because I remember. Why, and the reason why I know that, too, is because MLB and Chicago Police Department came to me and MLB security after the game was done. They came up to me and, you know, they asked me if I would press charges. And I was like, no. I mean, it's a simple fan mistake. It's, you know, you're, the excitement of the game, the moment, you know, like, he didn't hurt me. He didn't. 
but basically every one of them said, we need you to basically say that you want to press charges because we need to make a point and fans need to understand that they just can't be pouring beer or doing things like this throughout a game. So basically I had to press charges. And what happened is when they went to go press charges and went back and looked at the replay, they took the wrong dude out. (laughs) So they went public that night and they said that this guy, and they had the image, and said that you have to show up by so-and-so tomorrow morning and turn yourself in or else we're going to have a you know warrant out for your arrest. So the guy showed up the next morning, the young kid. He was a freaking son of like some influential attorney in, oh. in Chicago. <laughs> so he walked. That guy walked. Yeah, he had a lawyer. He lawyered yeah. up that well, day. I mean, I'm sure he got away <laughs> with it, but it was more of the point, you know, that they wanted to make that you had to press the charges and all that yada yada yeah, to yeah. go with it. So it was definitely one of my more memorable moments of, I should say what happened within the framework of a baseball game. <laughs> hey, uh, also going back, going back to 2007, I, I forgot about this, that uh, we did a Shane Victorino day. Yeah. Remember we did that uh, awesome John, John, Victorino it's, hula it's, figurine? It's one of the greatest Harry Callis calls of all time, oh, right, Shane? Man. Yes, it is. We gave out the uh, the hula dolls and your the dad. Doll. They flew your yeah, dad, your dad in from Maui. In. Yep. And Harry, yep. uh, what was Harry's call, Shane? It was like uh, what, the Maui Noka Oi means Maui's number one. Victorino <laughs> Noka Oi. That's yeah, what he said. That's it. Yeah. That's so it. it may be, you know, what the the famous claim is is Maui Noka Oi, which means Maui is number one. And you know, he took the Maui out and he put my name and instilled it. And he said. I remember I run around the first base and he said, Victorino, no cowboy. And I was like, in that Harry Callis voice. Yeah. Yeah, man, that is it. definitely one of my, you know, one of my most memorable calls. High fly ball deep to left. Could it be Victorino, no cowboy? Shane Victorino on Victorino Victorine Day has won the ball game with an opposite field hole. Couldn't have scripted it any better. Oh, I'll say. Did your dad career. going nuts? I mean, he came yeah, in for it. The walk off home run. I'm sure he was. <laughs> well, my dad, you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, as, as, you know, we talk about a root. You know, my dad is about as, uh, you know, he always taught me about humbleness. He always taught me about doing things with dignity and doing things with respect. And, you know, do let your, let your play do the talking, not your mouth. And, you know, I was a little more vocal in regards to, as, 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 as dad said, but I also backed up when I, you know, when I did be vocal and, you know, I, I, I appreciate having that upbringing, you know, as we spoke about and bringing that thing about my father, you know, I'm lucky that he was there for a lot of my big moments, yeah. uh, you know, in my career for sure. And then I forgot Harry's uh, actually got his start in major league baseball yeah. because Correct. he was doing games in, in Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. so you guys must've talked yeah. about that when you were playing. Oh, we talked about- all the time you know i miss that dude you know i've had a you know we had a lot of fun conversations about his time in hawaii uh you know when he was around and you know i was a young kid so i wasn't really too you know uh you know i was following the rookie protocol be seen more than be heard you know at that time but i did find time to obviously you know catch up with harry and speak to him about you know being from you know getting his start in hawaii and obviously i think he married a hawaii girl didn't he did yeah yeah yeah, and he married a Hawaiian girl, and, you know, we talked about all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so it was definitely a, a, a very special. Uh, I think there was a uh, – you know, I wasn't there long, but I think our short time together, we definitely created a special bond, I think, because it took him back to his, you know, early years yeah. of uh, all of a sudden being able to call, 
you know, a local boy now, and uh, you know, in a place like Philadelphia. What, what did but he more call? More memorable than that, guys. What did he call you when he? I remember when he saw Harry. Well, I remember Harry from Shaneage. 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 <laughs> and you know, he would have that just that scratchy Shaneage, and it's just like, man, I can't even duplicate it. I can hear it, but yeah. I can't duplicate it. You know, That's and awesome. You know, but you know, we miss that dude, and we miss that voice. But you know, like, he will never leave us because we get to hear it after every victory, which is amazing. Yeah, and then the other thing is, whenever we heard you come up to the uh, to the bat, that we you heard Bob Marley, you heard either uh, Buffalo Soldier, or you had Three Little Birds. Uh, obviously, you're a reggae fan, right? And Bob Marley, I guess, would be the your favorite. Yeah, Bob was definitely my favorite. Uh, you know, I think more importantly, you know, I love because of the vibe and the energy. But you know, Bob's words. If you sit back and look at the lyrics and, and some of the way he, you know, was trying to portray his his wisdom or his knowledge to the world, you know, was through his his lyrics and his verbiage. And you know, growing up there, I looked at a lot of those verbiages and you know a lot of things in life. And you look at the lyrics of someone like that and you know, music today sometimes ain't about that. It's not about, you know, portraying. It's, it's I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And I'm not saying it in a negative way. It's just I felt like, you know, the generations of I growing up and listening to guys like Bob Martin, you know, who grew up in the generation before me, their lyrics was their way of getting the world to know what they were trying to do and how they were trying to help the world be a better place. You know, it's true, their yeah. lyrics. And, and, and getting the words out and, you know, letting them feel that energy and understanding the – the chorus to the song and you know when i got three little birds in boston and you know thinking about the bombings and everything's going to be all right no matter what the city is under and you know you know for me it was just the vibe and energy of buffalo soldier while i was there and you know what it meant to you know move forward and be forward and and try to do something that you know not many people did where i'm from being a native you know hawaiian and growing up in the the little ocean in the middle of nowhere that you know people just you know, hey, we're Hawaii. Everybody wants to go to see this beautiful place and a tropical beauty. But, dude, there's the, the, the beauty of that place is the people, yeah. the people that we are and who we are. And, you know, so to be able to, you know, be on the ground at the stage and, you know, be able to stand there and, 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 and let people know that, man, I come from a special place with a lot of special people. And, well, you know, not only that, I give hope to my people back home, honestly. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, Shane, it was reggae that got me in trouble with you um, because I don't know if you remember this. But I got us tickets to go see, uh, I think it was Toots and the Maytals. And I assumed a reggae concert would start, you know, Toots wouldn't get on until 10 o'clock. And I don't know if you remember this. We went to Downey's, and I, got, I guess we got there like at 8.30, and we hung out. It's all set, and we're there until like 10 o'clock. They said, maybe we should start making our way. And I think somebody came in and said, oh, where are you going? We're like, Toots and the Maytals. Like, <laughs> it's, over. Oh, it's over. We just came back from it. Do you remember yeah, that? You, yeah. were, you were so yeah. pissed at me. You're like, I can't believe, Rachel, you made me miss this concert. We stayed at Downey's. I remember that on the corner down there by South Street. We still yeah. hung out. We, you know, it was our usual spot before we went to the concert venue. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully you forgive me on that one. Shame. But no, we did go to a lot of other great ones, though, my friend. I'm gonna be honest. We and did. I'm very yeah. grateful, and I thank you. And you know, hopefully, there's be many more years of that to come as you know we move forward and get out of the craziness that we're all in right now. Mm. Uh, I, I, I agree with that, Shane. Wh- whose idea was it to uh, 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 have you retire as a Philly? You know, you, you came back 2018 and you, you signed a, a one-day contract. Uh, how'd that come about? I don't know. I just, you know, I just wanted to do something and, you know, I wanted to walk away from the game and, you know, the conversation we had and, you know, just, you know, it just came to fruition where it made sense and, you know, looked at, you know, and what happened in the years after with, you know, Rollins doing it, Utley doing it, Howard doing it. I mean, 
you know, to me, I think it was something that was different. You know, it was definitely out of box. But, you know, I just remember growing up and watching, you know, and, and even through my years and my early years, I always felt like players came back and retired, you know, with the team that they spent majority of the time or, or, or you know, a lot of players picked a, a, a team and they would go back and have something special. You know, and I think that's, you know, it was, it was cool to do. It was, a, it was a, you know, something that was memorable. Um, you know, I, I, I can sadly say it this way, but David, you know, was there. Yeah. You know, I got to, you know, be there with him and enjoy it. And, you know, he was there to see my retirement and all that kind of stuff. But it was special because, I don't know, you know, it, it was an opportunity for me to come back to, to say thank you to a place that basically – you know, molded me into the man that I am today in some degree, yeah. you know, uh, you know, baseball was my avenue. Baseball was my career, but you know, the life experiences that I've, you know, experienced through my career and in a place like Philadelphia, you know, the people that surrounded me there and, and what I got to, you know, live for six, eight months out of the year and, and basically make it a part of who I am and understanding the hard work and the ethic that, you know, in a place like Philadelphia, uh, you know, it made me who I am and I thought it'd be cool to do. Nice. And, you know, obviously, thanks for the organization to, you know, to, to, to allow something like that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and Shane, I, I know you've done a lot of cool things in your retirement, too. I, a buddy of mine, Brian Bowman, who works for Waste Management, uh, sent me a picture a couple of years ago when you were – I think you played in the Pro-Am that year, right? At the, at yes, the I got PGA. to do it last year. I got to do it this year. Um, and it's amazing. That's awesome. Fun little gig. Who did you, who did you, who did you play with? Do you remember? This year I had uh, – Vanny on, South Korean kid, and Luis Ustersen, okay, uh, South wow. African guy. He was awesome. I love that dude. Luis was awesome. Uh, uh, I think that's how you say his name. It's kind of one of those names where it's L O O I S. I don't know how they, you know, say it, but I mean, it's what a good dude. I mean, uh, I, I, I hope someday I get to go and actually play around the golf with him and actually get to hang out with him. He was fun. And what's your handicap these days? Uh, a slappy nine ten. It's nothing to you know really call home about. Uh, the, the the process of getting better was trajectory, you know, tra- was going in the right trajectory, but that's a lot of work. You basically have to go practice every day, and I don't have the time and the, you know, the uh, <laughs> the energy and the focus to go and try to be real great at golf. Are you, are you I just left, want to be able to go on and have fun. Are you lefty or righty? Uh, I hit right-handed. Okay, righty. right-handed. All right. Nice. Maybe I should go try left-handed, right? Maybe <laughs> that's, that'll help. That's what I always say because my, my right-handed game's so bad. <laughs> we, Shane, I don't think we told you, but uh, we always do a quiz. John always puts a quiz together, and uh, it's about Uh-oh. your life. But uh, before we give you this quiz, John, I got to tell you my favorite Shane story. You know, uh, for what? I think it was about five years in a row, Shane, we had the Phillies vacation group. You went on the yeah. vacation with us. We've been doing it for yeah. you know over 10 years, but for those first five years. And the first year we started, it was 2009. It was right after the World Series. It was awesome. Just great, great time. We've got great friends from those Phillies vacations but <laughs> half moon k in the bahamas remember we had the uh, tiki uh, hut that went out into the water we had this private tiki hut john it was really nice just for the phillies traveling party and uh, i'm up there with scott palmer we're having a good time and there's a bartender there it's a you know 11 o'clock in the morning but it's you know bloody mary time and uh, <laughs> so but scott and i we see that there's this kid on a raft, like this little raft, and he's literally drifting out to sea. He had he had floated away from everybody else, hmm. and he was really out and the there. The parents weren't paying attention, and the parents were not paying attention. And so Scott and I, well, 
still kind of had our we didn't want to spill our bloody marys basically so we uh we uh we pointed it out to shane like hey shane check it out that that kid looks like he's in, i think he's in trouble he's really out there far <laughs> you didn't do anything to help this kid? we didn't but shane did shane, God for shane shane does a a, a nose dive into the water and swims way out to get this kid and brings him wow. in and john you were right about the parents they weren't paying attention shane brings it the father finally sees what's going on he kind of walks out there and shane you ripped into him shane you were like hey you know you gotta pay attention to your kids you know but uh shane saved the day man he looked like tarzan though j- jumping into the water going after this kid <laughs> no, i remember that yeah he was on a little floaty yeah yeah I that. yeah so you know i mean right. i don't think he was going off to sea but i mean it was to the point where you know another you know, five minutes goes by and no one's really, if no one really go get them and pays attention, you're right. He was about to go float off. He was out Because there. we were on a little island in the middle of the, you know, middle of the, in the water. Wow. You know, but, they're, you they're, know, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of stuff. It's just that common sense aspect, boy. It's parents are living a life instead of worrying about their children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the other thing too, Shane, before yeah. we go to this quiz is that, I always tell people that I think you're the one player in my 28 years, uh, definitely at the top, if not number one, as far as like building relationships on your own with a lot of our sponsors is, is kind of taking, not taking advantage, but, you know, uh, using that opportunity to really, you know, help yourself but help the company, help the Phillies, help everybody, you know, because I know you, you forward big relationships with AT&T people and, you know, again, a lot of our different sponsors. So uh, you were a pleasure to work with and, uh, and everyone appreciated uh, working with you. And the- yeah, you know what, John? I thought you were going to say uh, to me, Shane's like, I think you're one of the guys who's like, almost everybody's favorite player. You yeah. know, everybody has a favorite player. And, and Shane, like, you know, if, if, if you polled people, it'd be like, Shane, you'd be right at the top of people's favorite players, you know, for sure. For oh, sure. Man. I appreciate that, guys. It truly is humbling. But, you know, it's, as I said, it's my upbringing. You know, my parents always told me two things in life. And I try to embed that in my children is respect and work ethic. You know, those two things in life will take you everywhere. You know, I always say, you know, too many times you feel a sad man, you know, that doesn't have a work ethic or respect or someone that's not doing something positive in life. So, you know, it truly, you know, it means a lot to me. It's humbling because there's been a lot of great players that have put on, the, you know, the Phillies uniform and, and, and a lot of great people, not players, just great human beings. So to hear that, you know, it means a lot. But as I said, guys, the journey is only starting. You know, it was a lot more fun for us to be had. And, you know, hopefully someday I can come back and, you know, continue to, you know, help in that great city of Philadelphia and, you know, I, I, I'm not far, uh, you know, but it's this time is is, is always being spent out west. But I still love the east, and I still love that city, and uh, it will always have a piece of my heart. All right, well, we're going to close out with a quiz that I put together a quiz, as Tom said. It's all about your life, so you should have an inside track. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go nine questions because I'm, I'm including two Bob Marley questions uh, <laughs> on there. All right, so uh, what does he have to get at? What do you think, like six, seven Six. Uh, we'll go six. Six out of nine. If you get six yeah, out of nine, we'll, we'll we'll consider it a success. And you might even get to, <laughs> you might even get something from the fanatic prize co- uh, closet, Jeez. or or I'll get you some Asher's chocolates. We'll work on that as well. <laughs> so, all right. Question number one: You went to St. Anthony High School in uh, Wailuku. Did I pronounce that right, Wailuku? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And Tom almost stole this question from me, but you set a state record in what track event? Was it the one hundred meter? All right. One hundred. You got it. One hundred meter. All right, in two th- here's uh, one for one. In 2002, you played for the Dodgers AA affiliate, the Jacksonville Suns. Which of these people were not on that team? So there's going to be three former teammates going back way back in the time machine, Jacksonville Suns, three-year teammates, one was not. Okay, here are the names. Ruddy Lugo, Dan Stevenson, 
Jesus Feliciano, <laughs> Bubba Crosby. Bubba Crosby was on that team. Yeah. Uh, who was the other two you said? Ruddy Lugo, Dan Stevenson, Jesus Feliciano. I think the first one. No, it's Dan Stevenson. Video it's, Dan. But, but see, he, he doesn't even know his first name's Dan. Dan Stevenson. That's why he did the first video. one. What's the first name? Dan Stevenson. <laughs> Dan Stevenson. All right, we'll get him. We got him. Yeah, video. All right, we'll get him. Yeah. Everyone That's knows video what, Dan. I didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows his video. They don't even know his Dan. I didn't recognize the names. I recognized all those three. I was like, I don't remember Dan Stevenson. I love video dad. Yeah. Sorry, video dad. Because yeah, Dan, Dan's his middle name. It's video Dan Stevenson. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give that to you. Question number three. How many home runs did you have in your career? Do I need to go to uh, multiple choice? I had 108. 108. Bang. You got it. All right. Question number four. How many stolen bases did you have in your career? Did you have 172? What's that? 270. Uh, well, Wikipedia might have been wrong. I had 231, but yeah, you're it's 270, close to the one I had. All right. Who scored the game-winning run in Game 5 of the 2008 World Series? Not the RBI, but who crossed the plate for the game-winning Eric Brunlett. Eric Brunlett, you were on a roll. All right. In Game 2, we talked about this at bat. Brett Myers had that epic at bat um, to put you in position for that huge grand slam. How many pitches did Sabathia throw to Brett Myers? Was it 7, 8, 11, or 9? I think I know this. 9. 9 is correct. On a roll. All right, now – these next three should be in your wheelhouse. True or false? Okay, it's a true or false. Hawaii is the only U.S. state that grows coffee. True or false? Yeah, I'm going to have to say true. True is no correct. You're right. True is correct. It's the really? only U.S. state that grows coffee. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I did not know that, John. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, one where, no other state in Hawaii. Uh, no other state in uh, – what about Oregon and all these no, other places? They don't, they don't grow, grow coffee. They don't grow coffee, no. So, wow. All right, two more questions, and these are both on Bob Marley, okay? Where was Bob Marley originally from before emigrating to Jamaica? He was born and lived as a child, and then he emigrated to Jamaica. So was it England, France, Mexico, or Bangladesh? England, France. Gotta London, London. Gotta be England or England. France. Yes, uh, England, yes, England. He was yeah, in, I think it's England, yeah. Yeah, yeah Sussex. In fact, his, his family claimed Syrian Jewish origins. How about that? Uh, yeah. Bob, Bob Marley. So, all right, the last question and is. Shane, if you get this, you, you, you ran the board. So, uh, Reds. Well, we, the we, last we, one's still on the table. Last yeah. one on the table. All right, ready? What was the last song ever recorded by Bob Marley. It was his last song that he ever recorded in a studio. Was it Buffalo Soldier, Redemption Song, Jamming, or Waiting in Vain? I think Redemption Song. Redemption Song is oh. correct, and he just ran the table, you did. You're Tom red, You're a red light player, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just felt like Redemption was that song. Like, I mean, if you look at it and you listen to the lyrics, as I said, that was that song that, you know, when you think about it, like, that's probably – I guessed on that one. That was a random total, like, <laughs> throw out of the book. Uh, you know, but I just felt like Redemption Song was that song. So There you go. All right. Well, you're going to get something from the Fanatic or Ashes Chocolates. We don't know which. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Figure it out. Shane, this Thank was great. You, it, it was great to hear from you. Thanks for joining uh, our podcast. I mean, really great to hear from you. And, and uh, don't be a stranger. Yeah, Hopefully please stay in touch. Get, get east soon, all right? Sounds good to me, fellas. And if I do, we will definitely be relinking. So I hope to see you guys soon. All right, Shane. Take care. All right, Dom. Thank you. All right, John. Have a great one, guys. All right. See you Hello. later.
There he is. Shane still brings it, doesn't he, John? I'm telling you, he was easily my wife's favorite. Uh, yeah. One of my all-time favorites. My son I mean, Dan's just, favorite. Yep. Just, uh, just He just brought so much energy. Yeah. And as you said, we had so many big moments, Oof. not just for the Phillies, but yeah. I'm sure he's revered in, in the Red Sox because he helped them win that World Series with, with the huge hits. Uh, I think he had a huge grand slam. He's one of like two uh, players. He and Jim Tomey are the yeah. ones that have multiple uh, grand slams grand in the slams. postseason. Yeah. Yep. So – uh, definitely a red light player, but again, he's won so many awards uh, throughout, like off the field awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, obviously, he mentioned that his charity uh, or his foundation. Um, he's just a good guy, and he obviously was uh, had good parents that raised him well. And uh, it's it's just a joy to work with him. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one of my memories of Shane when he uh, opened up the Philadelphia. Uh, it, it's the Shane Victorino Boys and Girls Club, right uh, on Huntington. Uh, Park Avenue there, and his parents were there. And Shane, remember, he broke down yep. crying. And, yep. uh, yeah, and, and like you mentioned, in Boston, he's a favorite player there too. He had so, so many big moments, and uh, you know, great guy. We've known Shane, and uh, hopefully, we see him soon, John. Yep. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap up this edition of Phillies Backstage. We want to thank the folks here at Chickies and Pete's in Warrington. They're Rocco. always yeah, Rocco's here, uh, always taking care of us. So we want to thank them. And uh, John, I guess we will. Uh, we'll be back next time here. Just at Chickies and Pete's in Warrington. Sounds good. All right, thanks for tuning in, folks, and we'll see you next time.